Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season two. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. How do I want to start it off? I think uh, it's my turn to start it off. Thank you very oh. much. Oh! Oh, <laughs> My my mistake. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> That's how we're going to start it off. <laughs> In your own time. Season two, episode six, Halloween. So with this episode, we start a kind of tradition of mystical things happening on Halloween in the Buffyverse. And this might be probably one of the best episodes of the whole series i think this one makes like most people's list of favorite episodes oh oh yeah this episode is in my top 10 episodes absolutely it's so entertaining it's so good and you know why it's something i haven't actually thought about until i rewatched this episode for this podcast why i like it so much and it's because it is Willow-centric. Oh, absolutely. Here we go. Here the fuck we go. We've been talking about this since episode eight. Like, where is Willow in all of this? Why hasn't she had her own episode? And I honestly believe that Halloween is Willow's episode in a lot of ways. She just had to become a ghost. She, <laughs> she Yeah, she just had to get out of her own shell, you might say. <laughs> But no, this episode has it all. It really does. So A, I love Halloween. Halloween is my favorite holiday or season or whatever you want to call it. I adore Halloween. And then, of course, we adore Willow on this podcast. Uh, Up until now, she's been nothing but a delight. Spike and Drew are back in this episode. Uh, Angel and Buffy give smooches. (sighs) Even Xander has some funny lines in this episode. Uh, He has some shit lines, too, but, you know, we can't have it all. But I just think this this episode really gives fans everything they could ask for up until now. I agree. So where do we begin? For the first time, I don't know if it's the last time, but for the first time, we open on Pop's Pumpkin Patch <laughs> on a friendly jack-o'-lantern until it is squashed by Buffy's body because she is in the middle of an epic tussle with a vampire who I'm going to name Tyler because he just looks like a guy I went to high school with <laughs> in vamp form. It's a pretty epic fight. Like, the fighting is getting really good on the show. And who doesn't love a good pumpkin patch? Who doesn't love when Buffy chucks gourds and seasonal vegetables at vampires? <laughs> and at one point, she even throws the stake and the vampire uses a scarecrow to, like, block it. Like, that shit's fucking funny. You know what I mean? Like, this is, like, a good fight. I watched it three times in a row because I'm like, this is really oh. entertaining. <laughs> I kept going back. I'm like, this is good. I'm enjoying this. Oh, you're going to wear out that VHS, Stephanie. (laughs) Speaking of VHS. We see that there is a vampire hiding in the background, videotaping this fight. And it cuts between the video footage and the real life footage. That's another aspect of this fight that I really like. Sometimes it's in black and white camera. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it's real life. 
when we first see the camera footage, we don't know who's recording. And my initial thought was, is Xander the perv behind the camera? <laughs> is he just like stalking Buffy and recording her? Kate, but the sad thing is, is that's not out of the realm of possibility that's why for Xander. I like some might say that's a cheap shot Kara, but it's not it's really not so you know good for him xander stayed home this night and it's it's a guy oh we'll find out why he's videotaping later um but after some time buffy does knock the vampire over she picks up a the pumpkin sign and stakes him with it and the vamp that's videotaping her is just like oh shit and just like backs away cut to credits i loved this opener i like the action great fight scene halloween it is short and sweet right it doesn't drag on like this is a very short scene and then mm-hmm. the credits and then we get right into the important stuff of course which is angel yes this is i mean this episode is already in my opinion it's already like top notch uh we're at the bronze and angel is at the only lit up table (laughs) at the bronze he's directly under a spotlight and he looks so like forlorn he's putting out like the sad puppy vibe (laughs) well it's working because cordelia approaches him and he says he's waiting for buffy And she says that Mitch, the guitarist, uh, or the lead singer of the band, is nowhere to be seen and stood her up. So his loss is Angel's incredible gain. She's not wrong. Well, she's not wrong. And that's when Buffy walks in and sees Angel and Cordy laughing together. And Angel's laughing at Cordelia's jokes. And I think the viewer can interpret this in two ways. Because it's not... This is, might be the first time we ever see Angel smile, let alone laugh and have a chuckle. So on one hand, I like he could be genuinely laughing at Cordy's Barbie dream car joke. On the other, he could be laughing out of politeness and nervousness because he's out of his comfort zone and he might be nervous to meet Buffy on a proper date in what's got to be 200-ish years for him. So I prefer to believe that he is laughing with Cordelia because Cordelia is fucking hilarious. (laughs) But I think you could, like, even you just said, like, he's kind of standing there looking forlorn. I think he's just nervous. I think it might be a combination, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of both. But, you know, I think Cordy's a hilarious person. So why wouldn't he laugh at her jokes? But so Buffy comes in, sees them, and she turns to go. Angel sees her and approaches her, and she's like... I was late because I had a rough day at the office and obviously they're there to have their date that they discussed in the last, at the end of the last episode. Yeah, it seems like she saw Cordy with Angel and Green-Eyed Monster, she's jealous. And it's almost like she's just looking for an excuse to back out now because she wants to be upset at Angel. But Buffy, can you really stay upset at Angel for any long period of time? <laughs> I mean, it's going to be really hard for her. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I'm much older and wiser. And uh, that's the thing. So like Angel picks straw out of her hair and Cordelia does come up behind Angel and say, love the hair. It just screams street urchin. And Buffy gets even more embarrassed. And Angel's like, don't listen to her. You look fine. (laughs) And I was like, okay, but Buffy, you shouldn't be embarrassed by Cordelia putting you down in front of Angel because that just makes Cordelia look bad. And you have the high ground. It's not even Cordelia's best line of the episode. She has some zingers in this episode. I know. She's just getting warmed up, Buffy. So if you're hurt by that, like, buckle up, you know? And then Buffy says something really odd. 
to Angel and she's like, who am I kidding? Dates are things normal girls have. Girls who have time to think about nail polish and facials. You know what I think about? Ambush tactics. Beheadings. Not exactly the stuff dreams are made of. So my note here is, first of all, Buffy, you're assuming that normal girls are into that stuff and girls who are not normal are not. And that's not true because girls are not just one certain way. Girls can like a bunch of stuff, you know, they can think of you to all sorts of things. <laughs> also, Angel has already demonstrated that he's into you, right? Like, do you think he's just going out and just dating anybody? He <laughs> like you had to basically corner him uh, into getting a coffee date with him. So yeah. he has already chosen you. And doesn't it seem like you have common interests like fighting evil? Yeah, like you literally had to fake liking a frat boy for Angel to to agree to this date. And also Buffy, like you got him here. You have been wanting this since the beginning of the season. You've been wanting to get to know Angel and get closer to him. And here you are in the first step toward what could be a relationship, which is as normal as you could have. And you're going to leave because there's a straw in your hair. You're just going to leave. I don't understand this thinking. But she does go and Angel lets her go. And that's when Cordelia, of course, approaches behind Angel and says, cappuccino. (laughs) (laughs) Now, also, I want to add that timing in this episode is a little bit off, but it is the next day at school. Principal Snyder is back and he's forcing students to volunteer for the Halloween safety program, which Xander and Willow explain is when a bunch of little kids need people to take them trick-or-treating and the students sign up and and they do it. And I'm assuming they do this because all of their parents are dead. (laughs) That's when Snyder comes up behind them, calls Buffy a juvenile delinquent. (laughs) And he says something really funny here. He's like, I'm assuming you'll be like spending Halloween tossing eggs, keying cars, bobbing for apples, one pathetic cry for help after another. And then he forces the three of them to sign up for the program, which is apparently from 4 to 6 p.m. I love how Snyder's solution to somebody being a juvenile delinquent in his eyes is to give them responsibility for taking care of children. That doesn't seem like a good idea. But this is consistent with Snyder's behavior and the way that he runs his school because he put the worst students in charge of one of the most important nights of the year, parent-teacher night as well. So... I don't, I don't know. He's a trickster, this one. Mm-hmm. So the three saunter over to the cool student lounge area, and they're talking about finding costumes for that night because they just it's mandatory. And I don't know when they plan to go get these costumes. That's what I mean by timing, right? Like, they're signed up for this thing today. Four o'clock is when they have to meet the kids. They need to get costumes. Like, are they going to leave school early to go get the costumes? Or maybe school ends at 2.30. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it. I don't know. No, I think, yeah, I, I think you're just, a little mistaken i think it's halloween's tomorrow at this point because when buffy goes to the library after this giles says we need to talk about tomorrow night okay we will we will track this as we go because i'm under the impression this is all one day (laughs) no but that's okay Mm, we'll get there we'll get there buffy says that she was planning to stay in and veg because apparently halloween is the one night a year where vampires demons and the forces of darkness just take off And Xander says a line that I actually like, and he says, those wacky vampires, that's why I love them. They just keep you guessing. (laughs) I know. I I noticed that as a likable line as well. And my thought was, ooh, okay, you know, 
We're like five minutes into the episode and Xander hasn't said anything objectionable yet. And then... (laughs) And then... (laughs) Then Xander goes to the vending machine to get a cold drink. And we know it's a cold drink because that's what it says on the vending machine. It's also a way to show product placement for the show because we get all (laughs) the soda pops. And a boy named Larry comes up to him and asks him if he's friends with Buffy. And Xander says, I like to think of it less as a friendship and more as a solid foundation for future bliss. So, (laughs) (sighs) still looking at Buffy as not a friend, because friend is just not good enough for him, but someone that will be his one day. And Larry asks if she'd go out with him because he heard some guys said she was fast. And how is this even a rumor? In what way has Buffy acted at school that would make people think that she was a slut? I mean, I maybe know. Owen is telling tales, you know? <laughs> maybe Owen's behind the scene just like talking shit about Buffy. Maybe they found out she went to that frat party and things got rowdy. I don't know. Xander then says, hey, that's my friend, which could be considered nice. But I think that he's taking more offense to the fact that, hey, I'm Xander Harris and I'm the only one who can insult women around here. (laughs) Yeah, I found this scene very just gross because it's toxic masculinity, right? You've got the two dudes fighting over the turf, aka the woman, right? And the fact that Xander's standing up for Buffy, that doesn't make it better because Buffy, as she proves in mere moments away can stand up for herself and xander you don't have to be her knight in shining armor but he wants to be so bad so that's why he decides even though larry's a lot bigger than him he decides to grab larry by the shirt and he's like i'm gonna do something really manly about it and larry goes to punch xander and of course like you just said buffy grabs larry from the behind easily slams him into the coke machine and into the cold drink machine and says get gone and she gets a free Coke for her troubles, you know? So works for Buffy. But then Xander freaks out on her. She thinks she did him a favor, which she did. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, I'll forget about it. Maybe 15, 20 years when my rep for being a sissy man finally fades. Like, thanks for your help. And then he storms off. This seems very homophobic to me. Absolutely. You know, I, I think... The show is trying to make this comment on high school life and how, you know, guys have a reputation and they can't be seen as weak if girls are sticking up for them. And it's just so gross. Like, this is 1997. We shouldn't be falling back into these 1950s gender roles. And this is a show all about subverting expectations of gender roles, as we just saw with Buffy being the one to trans Larry, and it's like, oh, Alexander, just fuck off with the toxic masculinity, okay? Mm-hmm. And maybe just be happy that Buffy was beating up Larry and not you. You're so sad that you would rather have a mangled up face than live with the possibility that someone might think you're gay or weak mm-hmm. if a woman helps defend you. Mm-hmm. Also, what does this say about his respect for Buffy? Because if he's saying... I need to be just as strong as this person that I'm into. That's not possible with Buffy. So in what world, Xander, could you have ended up with Buffy like you desire and still be satisfied? 
because then you'd be constantly reminded that your girlfriend is stronger than you. Like this just all goes back to Xander's fragility and he's he he's not going to be happy either way. Well, and he's just so ungrateful for her help because in the mm-hmm. end it's like so so it's okay for you to take a hit for Buffy, but it's not okay for Buffy to help you out. Mm-hmm. So Xander like puke. And Willow actually calls it out because after Xander storms away, Buffy looks a little bit upset about it. But to her credit, she's not too broken up about Xander's anger. And um, she tells Willow she she must have violated guy code. And Willow says, oh, Xander, boys are so fragile. Willow with the good (laughs) lines again. Thank you so much, Willow. The freaking best. That's perfect, Willow. She sees it for what it is, too. She's so right. Right? Like, yeah. It's the fragility of the expectations placed on men to act in macho ways. And this is unfortunately something that all men experience to one degree or another. And some men are better at dealing with it than others. Xander's very bad at dealing with it. Yeah. So we just need you to grow up a bit, Xander, because Buffy did you a favor and you're seeing it from a completely wrong lens here. Thank God we get a little girl talk from Willow and Buffy, which we love to see. We love to see it uh, about the not date the night before with Angel. And Buffy is expressing that Cordelia was there. And then she insinuates that Angel was happy because Cordelia was there. And I was like, uh, nah, Buffy. Angel wanted to stay. He asked you to stay. He didn't even notice Cordelia as soon as he saw you. He got up immediately and came to you. So don't let your insecurities rewrite history and paint my boyfriend in a bad light because he paints himself in a bad light in enough ways. So we don't need you rewriting the story. And that's my TED talk. Thank you. Um, They realize that they don't know what Angel's type of girl is anyway because he doesn't overshare. And Willow and her play coy about not wanting to sneak in and look at Giles's watcher diary because they're private and Giles keeps them in an, his office with his personal files. And most importantly, it would be wrong. So wrong. So wrong. <laughs> May I just point out once yeah. again, with this being a Willow episode, I fucking love that Willow's solution to Buffy's boy problems is to do research. That's where she's comfortable. Right? Like, this is this is just classic Willow. I love it. So we go to the library. Buffy goes in first. And when she discovers that Giles is there, because, of course, where else would Giles be? She has to distract <laughs> Giles, right? And she's, like, motioning for Willow to come in. And Willow's like, no, no, no. Like, don't get me involved. But finally, Willow <laughs> sneaks in. So Buffy has to, like move around so that Giles can't see Willow going into his office. Um, And Giles is like, oh, good, you're here. Let's talk about Halloween. Was also that, no, I think it's more Buffy is trying to distract Giles by talking about Halloween. And he's very suspicious because he's like, when have you ever given a shit about things I talk about, you know, things I say. Mm-hmm. And like, I think this scene is actually really, really cute. And you and I find do this often where we're like, when there's nothing supernatural going on, it's just kind of like human relationships and dynamics we we think it's fun it's really fun so buffy does tell giles that like you have no life and giles says that he enjoys hobbies like (laughs) cross-referencing 
<laughs> and at one point, Willow is almost in the office and she's going in and Giles is about to turn around and Buffy just blurts out, Miss Calder called you a babe. <laughs> and Willow is, you know, like you said earlier, she's nervous and she's like trying to sneak in. She knows she's doing something wrong, but she has enough time to give the most priceless expression. She stops what she's doing and she turns around to give Buffy a disapproving look. I like, know, I saw it too. It and it's just <laughs> such a nice touch. Yeah, it's so good. She's like, oh, Buffy, why? No, <laughs> why'd you go there? And but hey, she was successful. She got the diary. She takes off without Giles noticing. And then Buffy like just pieces after that. Giles looks really happy so it's a cute scene they head straight to the girls bathroom which is a brilliant place to read this book because giles will not catch them in there with it (laughs) but they're this made me laugh because they're admiring a drawing of a noble woman in 1775 when angel was about 18 years old and still human and willow says who is she and buffy says it doesn't say but um If you look at the drawing in the diary, it clearly says Sarah. (laughs) It says Sarah, good friend or good fiend or something like that. Uh, So I don't know, girls, maybe her name is Sarah. (laughs) I also have a question about this. So (laughs) if that drawing is from 1775, when Angel was still human, we didn't know Angel was going to be a vampire. So is this an... like? I'm I'm confused. Is this the Watcher diary specifically dedicated to Angel? In which case, why are they bothering to include a drawing of a woman at the time when Angel's not a vampire? Or... <laughs> yeah, what's the context behind Sarah? <laughs> why it's yeah? It just... Why is she in there? Yeah, or is this just a random fashion drawing from a Watcher in 1775 who's like, this is what <laughs> the ladies are wearing these days, right? Like, is he keeping track of fashions for his Slayer? I don't know. It's just they don't really explain <laughs> why that image is in a Watcher diary, presumably about Angel. That's such a good point. You know, maybe it is the Slayer at the time. Maybe Sarah was the Slayer. Interesting. Ooh, I like that. We're, we're bringing up our own lore into this. Also, why are the Watcher diaries forbidden for Buffy to read? Wouldn't they help her? Yeah, that's also a good point. Wouldn't it be good to know unless there's so many horrible things about Slayers in there that Giles doesn't want to share it with her? That that could also be the case. I mean, once again, we're getting the sense that these Watchers are men and perhaps Mm. very overprotective and overbearing when it comes to I know what's best for you, female Mm. Slayer. (laughs) Yep. Well... I like our theory that, that Sarah was the Slayer and that's why her watcher drew her because you can't take a photo and put it in. <laughs> like, um, you know, I remember in episode eight when we saw Buffy's online profile <laughs> that didn't exist in 1775. So anyway, being beautiful and polished was Sarah's job along with being the Slayer and something that poor, insecure Buffy just doesn't feel. She doesn't feel like she's beautiful and polished right now. I would like to interject and set the record straight. Yeah. Uh, Buffy and Willow's historical knowledge is very poor here. Life in 1775 was not a picnic. Uh, there were high mortality rates. You'd probably die in childbirth. And you wouldn't necessarily be that beautiful. If you were, it'd be because you caked on the layers of powder to hide the smallpox scars. Mm. And you'd also have really poor hygiene. So, uh, But the drawing doesn't tell us that. It's true. It's not a very good drawing. This, this watcher should have really gone for the verisimilitude there. 
It's true. You should have listed all the stuff that you just listed. (laughs) Don't idolize Sarah. (laughs) So Buffy is (laughs) fantasizing about being Sarah in this time versus being a demon hunter in the modern times. A normal girl. And Willow says she'd prefer being able to vote or will when she can. And I'm like, Willow, I adore you. I think you're awesome. That's when the next awesome person in our lives comes in, Cordelia, and she starts gloating that she had Angel all to herself the night before, presumably drinking cappuccinos. And what's his story? And this is where, do you remember back in in Some Assembly Acquired, we talked a little bit about does Cordelia, does Cordelia know that Angel's a vampire? I said mm-hmm. no, because in this episode, which I know very well, she doesn't know. And that's part of the joke. A running joke in this episode. Yes. And so- but that's why I brought it up, right? Because I was confused mm-hmm. because I also remembered that. Mm-hmm. But I think we had some disagreement because they tell Cordelia in this scene that Angel's a vampire. Yeah. And like you said, she's confused. I still don't think by the end of this episode she knows that Angel's a vampire. No, she doesn't. So that's my question is when does she actually find out that he's a vampire? Uh, We'll have to track that for sure, because, yeah, here she just thinks that Buffy is trying to scare her off. Exactly. Uh, She basically says to Buffy, you may be hot stuff when it comes to demonology or whatever, but when it comes to dating, I'm the slayer. Damn, Cordy, that is such a good line. (laughs) Right? Like, Cordy's bringing it this episode. Oh, I know. It's not a Cordy-centric episode, but she has enough lines in this episode. She's in enough of the episode that, again... She is a bomb for my soul. She is the slayer of dating because how many Mitches have we gone through already <laughs> in the series? Many. Too many Mitches to name. At a Halloween store somewhere in town after school, I assume. This is where I'm getting confused. So I assume this is right after school. And mm-hmm. uh, the trio are looking at costumes and Willow wants to be a friendly ghost. And Buffy is encouraging her to stop hiding and get sexy and wild with no repercussions because it's Halloween. And Willow says, being wild equals her spazzing. And I want to note that her being wild equals her spazzing because that's not who Willow is. Like, she's just not wild in her personality. Like, she's more refined than that. Mm -hmm. So Buffy's basically saying, don't underestimate yourself, which is cute and good advice. But then she's also kind of saying that no one will ever notice Willow if she doesn't dress sexy or do something different, which is not so cute. No, again, it's that tiny little bit of internalized misogyny that women, especially as teenage girls, often take into themselves from the messages that we get in our society. Yeah, and we'll definitely talk about this in a little bit. But for now, Xander comes with a toy gun. And says he's going to be an army guy because he's manly, Kara. He's not a sissy man. He's going to be an army soldier. I know, I'm swooning already. (laughs) We're just like, wow, he's so much sexier when he holds that toy gun. Well, you know what the gun's a symbol for, right? (laughs) (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Um, He's giving Buffy the cold shoulder. Xander is giving Buffy the vampire slayer. The cold shoulder. And Buffy starts apologizing to Xander, saying that she'll let Larry pummel him next time. 
And I was like, okay, sure. Have Buffy apologize to Xander. Now, Xander, you apologize to Buffy for watching her change without her permission. I like how you brought that up because I think that's a really good contrast that shows how men often can get away with objectifying women or behaving in a certain way towards women. Uh, And when they're called out, they get very fragile, as Willow said. Whereas here, when Buffy has overstepped and done something to upset Xander, she has to supplicate herself towards him before he will let her back into his social space. And my question is why? Like, is this not what you want, Buffy? Don't you want Xander to kind of back off? Like, let's not apologize and let's just let this ride for a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, five or ten years. Yeah, for life. Like, why don't we just see how long he'll hold this grudge for, which is completely unreasonable. And when Buffy, in the middle of this apology, gets distracted by a ball gown dress, Xander then goes on to say that, oh, it's too bulky. I prefer my women in spandex. So I know, I know. It's okay, so I'm, I want to unpack this because it's important. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Xander, shut the fuck up. Buffy has never and will never care what kind of woman you prefer. So right after making Buffy apologize to you for helping you out, what is this narcissistic, chauvinistic belief that it matters to your female friends what kind of woman you find attractive or that your opinion on a costume that Buffy really likes will make a difference in her choice because I'm sorry but not looking attractive to you Xander on Halloween is not Buffy's fucking problem Mm -hmm. so whether or not you want her to wear this bulky costume or you want her to wear spandex you don't need to share that with her because she is it's not going to sway her decision yeah, it's, But you had to share it. Yeah, it, it's gross. And honestly, I wonder why the writers included that line. Because it seems like it's just meant to be a joke. And it's consistent with Xander's pervy character. But we already know Xander's a pervy dude. Like, we don't need this line to establish that. Mm-hmm. It seems to me almost like this line is meant for male viewers of the show. Mm. It's meant to be a little bit of winking to the men perhaps who are older maybe college age watching this uh who find Buffy attractive and and as we've discussed before like Xander's sometimes a self-insert character and author avatar for Joss Whedon and in this case I think maybe Xander's functioning as a viewpoint character that male straight male viewers can identify with And it's the show's way of kind of winking at them and being like, we know why you're watching this show, guys. And it's gross. It's it's we we said earlier, the show has fan service. And this is not the type of fan service we're praising here. This is where the episode and I don't think I ever noticed it when I was younger and watching. But this time around, this is where the episode kind of loses a little bit of its sparkle for me because I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, I don't like the implications that come with Xander's expression of, this is the way I like women on Halloween. Oh, don't worry. I have far more thoughts about the gender dynamics in this episode when we get a little further in. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and I will add that, you know, later we do see Cordy's co- costume and she is wearing spandex. So a little bit of Xander's wish came true, I suppose. And then a little further on to that, I do think that when we think back on all the outfits that Buffy has worn in this show so far, I don't think that she's been overly sexualized in her outfits. No. Like she wears short skirts. She wears low cut shirts, but that's not a problem. I think that's fine. But I think that's also very intentional because I think Cordelia is portrayed as Buffy's foil as a Mm. sexually active teenager. Like that is her purpose is to get with Mitch's. (laughs) And Buffy is not like that. We see very early on in season one, right, that Buffy has not had much experience dating and her slayer duties have now compounded her issues with dating. And I think the show very intentionally establishes Buffy and portrays her in a virginal light. And we see that in Prophecy Girl with the symbolism of the white dress. Mm. Because they need they're laying the groundwork for something that's gonna happen later on that you and I can't talk about yet. And that that is totally wrapped up in the way that her character dresses and the way she acts. Yeah. For sure. She's she dresses in a way that we might call attractive or cute. But like you pointed out, there is a a line of innocence she doesn't cross. And the last thing I'll say on this is the phrase Madonna whore complex. So if anybody (laughs) wants to look that up, uh, maybe that's going to give you some foreshadowing for what's happening that we won't discuss until we get there. What we're saying is that Buffy is not going to wear spandex for any man, but especially not on Halloween. She wants to wear this freaking Sarah the Vampire Slayer outfit that she saw in that diary book. So just as she's looking at it, a man comes out of the back room of the store and he takes it off the rack and drapes it over Buffy. And he says, like, he's very moved by how it looks on her and she is entranced by how beautiful it is. And he says he'll give her a price that she can't refuse, which is suspicious. Cut to... The factory. So here is another point where I just don't understand the timing of this episode. So cut to the factory and Spike is re-watching the footage of Buffy fighting the vamp from the night before. So we know that the vampire filming Buffy was one of Spike's lackeys. And I also like to believe that Spike actually turned a really good fighter <laughs> into a vamp so that he could get a really good show. Because that was an awesome fight to get on camera. Oh, that's a nice idea. I like that. Yeah, like I just like it was an epic fight and like she could have just dusted some guy really easily, right? But this guy put up a bunch of like cool spinny kicks and Maybe he's <laughs> running an underground vampire fight club while he's biding his time. Oh, that should have been an episode. <laughs> that would have been so good. <laughs> that would have been good. Um anyway, while Spike's watching, he's saying things like, Baby likes to play. <laughs> Once again. Men objectifying Buffy. Is that what this episode's all about? She's tricky. Baby likes to play. I'm going to use that. I'm going to say that to Seb later. And he's going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? So funny. Anyway, Spike notices that she's resourceful too. This is something we've been saying for, you know, a season and a bit now that Buffy's really resourceful. She uses whatever she can around her. Spike notices this and he's studying her fighting style. He's studying her moves so that he knows her better, so that he can kill her sooner. And this is the reason why we think Spike is such a delight yes. compared to the other vampires that we've seen. He actually appreciates and is 
impressed with Buffy. Mm -hmm. And he might even find her a little bit intimidating because she took him down during the the parent-teacher night. Well, he's learning from his mistakes, which is something the Master never did. You know, Buffy put Luke down in the harvest, and the Master sent the three after her, and she put the three... Well, she didn't put the three down, but she caused them to run away, and the Master put them down. But it's like, at no point did the Master ever pause and say, hmm, maybe I should be a little bit cleverer in how I deal with the Slayer. He was too obsessed with his prophecies mm-hmm. to care about the fact that apparently Buffy's really good at her job. Um, yeah. Whereas Spike, like you just said, he has a respect for Buffy as the Slayer. He's willing to admit that he overcommitted himself that first time he approached her. And he's learning from his mistake. This is such a clever way of analyzing Buffy's fighting style and trying to find her weaknesses and getting ready to kill her. Mm -hmm. This makes him an intimidating villain because he's not grandiose and posturing like the master. When he says, you know, I'm going to kill you, he means it. And there's a scene later on in this episode that, to me, is, like, such a frightening scene because of that. Yep, yep. And like we said, like, with the Master and also all these other lackey vampires that that Buffy takes out, they're all so big and, like, Slayer, I will grind you to a pulp and all that stuff, right? Which we find very funny, but Spike knows better. And he knows that the best way to get to her is to know her weaknesses and attack her when she's not expecting it. So... This is why we like Spike, because he's just way more interesting, way more deep. And Drusilla comes out and says in her mystical way that everything is switching and he makes her weak. And Spike asks her if she had a vision. Drusilla says that something's coming tomorrow. And then Spike confirms what Giles said earlier, that nothing happens on Halloween. But Drusilla says someone is coming to change it all. So Drusilla is saying tomorrow, mm-hmm. Spike is saying tomorrow, but the next scene is the store owner in his back room cutting his palms and leaning in front of a statue and a candle shrine and chanting. This is never a good sign. <laughs> no, well, and once uh, again, we have some poor dude beseeching a demon or God or whatever who's nowhere near as good as Moloch. Yeah, I mean, we're just we just really wanted Moloch to be the big bad of the season, but <laughs> we can't have it all. Praise Moloch. Praise Moloch. Just like we can't have this fight club, this vampire fight club. Uh, but my point about the timing of this episode, okay, the very next scene is at Buffy's house, and Buffy and Willow are getting ready for Halloween. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing to tell us that this is the next day. Well, other than the fact that we've had numerous people say that Halloween was tomorrow up until this point, and now they're getting their costumes on, so it's cut to the next day. Like, it's so, like, I didn't, I didn't, I just, it didn't occur to me that it was the next day, unless they had a whole day in school that we didn't get to see. Yeah, Usually there's more. Because oh, there was, on. like, here, okay, I'll tell you what happened. Xander okay. was pervy and toxic. <laughs> Cordelia had some really good burns. Mm. Willow read some books. Buffy probably didn't learn anything. Okay, great. Thank you for yeah, catching me up. up I needed that. I needed like a like a caption that said the next day. Because <laughs> in my opinion, this is all happening on the same day. So okay, so we're at Buffy's house. Willow yeah. and Buffy are getting ready for their costumes. <laughs> and so, what's going on here? Buffy is wearing a dark-haired wig in a classic updo for noble women like Sarah. 
uh, and she's wearing the Sarah dress, and she looks like Sarah from the Watcher Diaries. <laughs> the Watcher Diaries. Oh, oh, Cara, let's let's get this thing made. The Watcher Diaries would be an amazing show, like a Buffy spinoff called The Watcher Diaries, and we're going all the way through like 10 volumes of diaries and we're looking at all the different stories of slayers throughout the times. Oh, that would be awesome. We're, we're sitting on a multi-billion dollar idea. Okay. Right okay. There. Well, don't give the rest away. Unless somebody steal our idea. <laughs> listeners, you can't steal our idea. Um, L- listeners don't take our idea. That's copyrighted prophecy girls podcast. <laughs> so anyway, Buffy says Angel's coming over that night after trick-or-treating because her mom isn't going to be home. (laughs) That's exciting shit right there. So Buffy is asking Willow, come on out. I won't laugh, I promise. But And Willow comes out and she's looking very sexy. She's wearing a revealing outfit. And I say outfit because I don't know what her costume is. <laughs> no, neither do I. I don't think it's supposed to matter, right? It's just Willow has dressed stereotypically sexy. Yep. Like over the top, I would almost say, because I understand how some people would find her hot, but it's like... You know, the makeup is really obvious. And then, like, the outfit's like this really skimpy crop top, low neckline, midriff with, like, a short skirt. It's like everything is meant to scream sexy. Yeah, and just the opposite of what Willow has shown us so far. Which is not to say sexy, but just a very different look and a very different vibe. And I'm just saying, because I don't know what the costume was supposed to be. At the very least, put mouse ears on. (laughs) Right? like <laughs> Yeah, every, every girl's got to be a sexy animal, right? <laughs> yeah, this could be a very normal Halloween costume if you put fucking bunny ears on or something, right? <laughs> like in Mean Girls, you can dress like a total slut. No one can say anything as long as you have those ears on. <laughs> I just love that Allison Hannigan pulls this off. You can see her discomfort with that outfit. But as we will find out later on in the show... Alison Hannigan is also capable of portraying a sexy Willow with confidence. So this is not Alison Hannigan uncomfortable in the outfit. This is Alison Hannigan portraying Willow as being uncomfortable with this sexy outfit. And it's, it's such a nice and subtle way of showing it. Just the way that she holds her body. Um, and, and she's just very nervous, even when it's just Buffy in the room. It's, it's, again, I adore Willow. She's so cute. Protect Willow at all costs. (laughs) Well, it's funny, too, because, like, Willow is showing us her body for the first time. And she's got a banging bod. She's got a six-pack. She's incredibly in shape. Okay. I'm just, like, she's she's very built. Like, she's in in shape. She's got a beautiful body. And a very stereotypically hot, beautiful body, too. Like, what our beauty standard would be. Okay. Because I know when they first started the show... They had originally casted a heavier set woman to -hmm. play Willow. And then they recasted her with Alison Hannigan. And I don't know the reasons behind that. Mm -hmm. But then I'm sure the character traits of Willow being mousy, Willow being shy, and Willow being insecure about her body remained. But Willow's body, in a societal view, there's nothing wrong with it. It's ideal, if anything. So it's just interesting to me that a character like Willow, who I think a lot of young girls could look up to as being like, I'm also insecure about my body. Mm-hmm. That could She could be a role model for these girls, 
But at the same time, Allison Hannigan does have your stereotypical hot body. Mm -hmm. So she could show it off and the repercussions would only be that people now know that she's got that under there. And it's not like she's, you know, 15 pounds heavier, Mm -hmm. which is still beautiful, but not to society standards. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the flaws of this whole series is even the characters who are supposed to be less attractive are still like Hollywood, Los Angeles, California levels of attractive, right? Like, yeah, yeah. We don't see fat people on Buffy unless they're fat for a reason of plot and usually evil. And that's incredibly fat phobic. And again, it's a, it's a product of its time, but that doesn't make it right. So I think you brought up a really interesting point to consider there, which is even as we have Willow characterized as reluctant to show off her body, what are the messages that we're sending to people when she does show off her body and it's fine? And I also think the fact that Buffy is so eager to push Willow out of her comfort zone, like she's very adamant about it this Halloween, that Willow is pushed out of her comfort zone. And I think that she thinks that she's doing Willow a favor for this. But at the same time, Willow has never really expressed an interest in having the male gaze on her body besides Xander's, but it wasn't even about her body. She just wants Xander to like her back. So Buffy's a little confused here. And it's like you said, it's her internal misogyny and her idea of what men want to see, because we'll learn later when we see, you know, uh, one of my favorite characters is in this episode later on, (laughs) but Willow shouldn't have to dress sexy for men to notice her Buffy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important to remember. I agree. Okay. So also, I mean, this scene is just fun. It's just two girls getting ready for Halloween, but there's just so much here because even Buffy, her insistence on how happy she feels being somebody else for the night and being this uh, very feminine, meek kind of Sarah looking (laughs) um, noble woman. It makes me just think like, does, does Buffy consider herself masculine? Hmm. Compared to women like Cordelia, to women like Sarah the Vampire Slayer. Because that's why she's choosing this old-timey princess dress. She says it's because Angel's going to like it. But it's also because she must think that being traditionally feminine in this way is appealing. It's, it's what she wants in some way. The three of them are all dressing as something that, you know, is it's character development for them. Buffy is trying to be something she's not. She's trying to take mm-hmm. on this more feminine personality. Xander wants to take on the more masculine personality as a soldier. Mm-hmm. And Willow's being pushed out of her p- comfort zone mm-hmm. to be a little bit more wild, as Buffy would say. So it's just like, I don't know, Halloween's great. <laughs> like, yeah, just that, that's, that's a great analysis. And I yeah. agree. It's why I think this episode works on multiple levels. It's both just a fun episode. And then when you start to dig down into it, like we love to do, There's so much going on here when it comes to the gender dynamics and stuff. Yeah. And also just the self-esteem dynamics. Like Mm -hmm. like Willow, in my opinion, does not need a self-esteem check here. Buffy does. So why are you forcing this self-esteem check on Willow, Buffy? Like, stop projecting. projecting. Yes, stop projecting. Look at yourself, okay? Work on yourself. Uh, So... Buffy calls Willow a dish, and she says she can't wait for all the boys to go 
nonverbal when they see her. So I do think it's cute. Buffy's hyping her up, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I feel the same way. Any of us would feel the same way. If your friend, like sometimes mm-hmm. like if I see my friend and they're wearing like a sexy ass outfit, you got to say like, holy shit, girl, like you're rocking it tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's good girl code versus guy code. Buffy goes downstairs and lets Xander in, uh, who is dressed as a soldier, and he compliments Buffy's costume. But then as Willow comes down the stairs, she's put on her ghost costume, and it's completely covered, literally from head to foot, in a white sheet. And Willow's decided that she's going to stick with what makes her comfortable. And I, I know the whole point is like pushing her a little bit out of her comfort zone, but honestly, that doesn't have to mean wearing a revealing Halloween costume. We support you, Willow, no matter what you choose to wear. Ain't no shame in that. So they go to school and they're assigned their trick-or-treating groups. And Snyder says to Buffy, no need to speak to them. The last thing they need is your influence, (laughs) which is funny. Uh, Larry, the bully, is dressed as a pirate. Uh, When he's passing Xander, he asks him where his bodyguard is. Is she curling her hair? But I don't understand bullying, Kara. I don't get it because Larry is making fun of Xander because a girl saved him from getting punched. But Larry is the one who got taken down by the girl. So I don't understand. Right, but that's why he has to bully Xander because he needs to reassert his dominance, right? His masculinity. And he does that by bullying another man. Right? Because if he fights back against Buffy, he's hitting a girl. And that just makes him look weak. But Mm -hmm. if he pushes Xander around, he's showing all the other dudes, you know, don't step to me because I'll do this to you. Men are so fragile. True. So we cut to Oz! Oz is in this episode and it's wonderful and he (laughs) is in a band, don't forget so he's putting his guitar in a case in the hallway or something Um, Cordelia, dresses in spandex as a cat, is very angry that she got stood up by the lead singer Mitch of this band and she tells Oz to tell Mitch that she doesn't care so much that he shouldn't even tell Mitch that she doesn't care. Basically. It's a very confusing <laughs> yeah. statement from Cordelia. And Oz is confused. He's like, so I shouldn't say anything. And she's like, God, no. And she like stalks away. <laughs> yeah. I, again, not impressed with the men. But I get it, Cordelia. You go, girl. Um, and Oz is just, he's left with this bewildered kind of look on his face where he's just like, it's almost like he just dreamed that happening, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, why can't I meet a nice girl like that? Like so sarcastically. And that's when he turns around and he run- he bumps into Willow in her ghost mm-hmm. costume. So he doesn't he doesn't recognize her from the culturally inappropriate dance night. Well, this is the second time he's seeing her and it's the second time she's in a costume. He has yet to see <laughs> yeah. Willow uncostumed and the next time she'll also be in a costume (laughs) even though we don't know what the costume is but um they do their they do this whole thing that we've all done at least once in our lives where like you're like oh sorry sorry and you like lean the wrong way and you both kind of like try to get Mm -hmm. around each other it's so awkward i mean as canadians we're obligated to do that in like grocery store (laughs) aisles right yeah and this was a very canadian conversation that they had (laughs) oh sorry sorry I mean, I think I think Willow and Oz are probably the most Canadian characters in the series. Oh God, I love that. Yes. 
Uh, cut to the streets. We're in the streets now, and it's dark outside, and kids are trick-or-treating everywhere on the street. Uh, in the back room, the store owner is finishing his chant. So this is also why I thought it was the same day, because it appears that he's been chanting all day. Maybe that's what you have to do. Like, he's committed <laughs> to the bit. I... <laughs> You're right. That's absolutely true. Like, that could be what it takes to unleash hell on Halloween. So the spell works. Shit hits the fan and chaos erupts. Willow, who's standing on a porch with a group of her kids, is watching this old lady handing out candy. And then the little kids that are wearing goblin costumes literally turn into their costumes. And one starts to choke the woman. And then they start to choke each other. Uh, Willow passes out on the porch or i guess she dies and then xander is on the street and then he looks down he looks back up and he's holding a real gun now and he's a lot more serious kids are running everywhere willow gets up out of her body in her slut costume (laughs) but she's a ghost now she's a real ghost and she approaches xander on the street who doesn't recognize her and they realize that everybody who is in their costumes is turning into what they dressed up as. So I want to pause for a moment, right? Because for you and I, we've seen this episode so many times since it's such a good episode that I think the shock of this moment has probably worn off on us. So I just want to take a moment to acknowledge for our first time viewers watching and listening along with us that this is a shocking moment, right? Like, if you don't know what's coming, this is like, oh, shit. Like, all of these kids are demons now? Yeah. How do you deal with that? How is <laughs> Buff- And how is Buffy going to save the day? Because, you know, we find out, that, like, Xander, she doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know who the Slayer is. How are they going to get out of this? Like, this is a scary moment. Yeah, it's true. And when we see Buffy, she sees the demons approaching and she faints. So we don't even have the slayer now to like save the day. It, it's a big moment for sure. And um, you're right. I think time has obviously softened our, our emotions to it, but I bet a new viewer would find it really interesting and funny and, and mm-hmm. entertaining. Right. So Buffy wakes up. She's confused. She says she's from 1775. Doesn't know who she is. And I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. That is a terrible accent, Sarah Michelle Geller. I know. Yes. And uh, Sarah, like Sarah, I think the world of you. I think you are <laughs> your generation's talent. I really do. I think you poured your soul into Buffy and you did a fantastic job. But your take on this character is really bad. Well, because she doesn't commit. Like what type of accent is it supposed to be? It's it sounds I guess it sounds sophisticated. Is it is she English? Is she Scottish? Is she French? Like, she doesn't land it anywhere. So I agree. I think it would have been better if there had been no accent. It's just wishy-washy. And even, like, the way that her take on this character and what she's like and how she speaks and everything, I just think even women in 1775, if they saw that, they'd be like, that's not us. (laughs) So... Well, so I'm, just, I'm not um, loving it. I'll get my TARDIS and we can <laughs> find a woman from 1775 and first explain to her what TV is and then show yeah. her this. <laughs> and be like, is this you? <laughs> so Willow is the only one who remembers anything and she's in charge, which is why this this episode is fucking awesome. 
Willow's in charge. So Xander does say something really funny here too. When Buffy freaks out because she sees a car, she thinks it's a demon. And Xander says, she's never seen a car. And Willow's like, she's from the past. And Xander says, and you're a ghost. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just chaos, right? It's just like the, the wonderful, I love, this is, oh, sorry, this is the first time, it will not be the last time, where majority of the characters lose their memories or think there's something else. And mm-hmm. I love these kind of episodes. It's such fun. Absolutely. So Willow takes Buffy and Xander to Buffy's house, which is the closest, uh, which Buffy doesn't recognize. And she sees a photo of herself on the table and she's really confused and she freaks out and it's super annoying. She's like, I don't like this place and I don't like you. And I just want to go home. Well, you have to remember, there was no photography in 1775. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, true, true, true. Um, So we hear a woman screaming outside. Xander goes out to help. And uh, Buffy is like, surely he won't desert us because, you know, back in the day, it was the man that would take care of everything. And Willow says, whatever, (laughs) because she's already over this shit. Um, It's Cordelia who was screaming. She's being chased by Bigfoot. (laughs) And Xander rescues her and brings her back to Buffy's house. And Cordelia knows exactly who she is and what's going on. So she's not been affected by this. And she's actually just pissed that her costume got ripped because party town the costume store won't give her (laughs) deposit back to her i like this line because it reveals that cordy has a strategy right she buys clothes and then returns them (laughs) yeah exactly and xander takes off his jacket and puts it on cordelia around her shoulders and she says thanks and she actually like she's surprised he did it but i think there's a little bit of like oh well that's because he's manly now stephanie i mean have you seen how manly he is now that he's an army man. He's an army man soldier. And I also think that, oh, is also because he did something nice. He didn't stand there and be like, you're a prostitute. Mm -hmm. He like, he just did a nice kind gesture. So you see what kind of reactions you might get, Xander, if you actually were nice to women and gentlemanly and didn't call them prostitutes all the time. Pro tip. It's really interesting, isn't it? (laughs) Pro tip. (laughs) Write that down. Willow explains the situation and she's going to go get help and she walks directly through the wall as she leaves. And Cordelia says, who died and made her boss? Willow did. Willow did. Willow literally died and became the boss and we are here for it. (laughs) Absolutely. So now we cut to outside. Spike is walking the streets soaking it in highly amused like literally taking every moment of this weird weird night and he says one of my favorite lines in the entire series like it's my top probably five favorite lines and he just says well this is just neat yeah (laughs) and i think i think that's a really great way to describe spike's character from what we've seen this is the second episode that he's been in and we already know that he's unpredictable Mm -hmm. and that he doesn't like to follow the guidelines that the master has set up for us so a night like this pure chaos on halloween which is supposed to be their night off would be very neat to him (laughs) well and he also demonstrates in this episode how he is resourceful because he takes advantage of the situation right he starts gathering up a little squad of (laughs) <laughs> baby demons and yeah, 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 yeah. tells them to go off and find the slayer and you know it's just like so he could he could have reveled in the chaos but he's like no you know what i've got work to do here yeah he could have taken advantage of like many of the people running around on the streets but he instead he's like well this is my chance during all this chaos to get the slayer so 
Xander is barricading them into Buffy's house, and how many scenes of the show have we seen Xander barricading oh, the and, doors? And just, yeah, like, Joyce is not going to be happy when she gets home, right? Like, the property damage alone, he breaks a window, he's moved all this <laughs> yeah. stuff, probably broken some <laughs> things. I really, really hope that Joyce is super high when she gets home. I hope that's where she is right now, because... She doesn't want to deal with this shit. Uh, it's Halloween. Joyce is 100% high right now. <laughs> we love you, Joyce. She's going to come home and just be like, I didn't leave these here. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So, so Xander is doing this barricade and Buffy wants to go somewhere else. It's safer. And Xander says, we're not going anywhere because Willow or the ghost girl, it, she's in charge. And Buffy says, you would take orders from a woman. Are you feeble in some way? And Xander says, ma'am, in the army, we have a saying, sit down and shut the... And then he cuts off because he sees a picture of him, Buffy, and Willow and goes to investigate. But isn't it so neat how Xander, as the stereotypical soldier dude, is more of a feminist and for women in power than Xander is on a regular day? Yeah, um, I also have... This is where I have my thoughts on gender dynamics and roles in this episode. So, as you said, Buffy makes this comment about Xander taking orders from a woman, being feeble-minded as a result. And at some point around this part of the episode, she also makes the comment that she's just there to look pretty and so that some men will marry her and she can have babies and stuff. And I really don't like how this episode is portraying an 18th century noblewoman character here, right? Because, first of all, 18th century noblewomen were not brain-dead bimbos. <laughs> sure, you didn't learn the same skills as men, but you learned, um, you know, accomplishments like sewing, you know, needlework, music, that kind of thing. But if you were a noblewoman, you also learned how to run a household, right? Because who's in charge of the household when the men are off fighting and whoring and <laughs> running businesses and stuff? It's yeah. the women. You have to learn how to manage people. And how to manage, you know, your inventory and stuff. So, like, being a, an 18th century noblewoman is no small feat. You have to be intelligent if you want to stay ahead. And the show totally washes over that in favor of portraying Buffy as Sarah the Vampire Slayer <laughs> as this airhead who's only good for looking pretty and marrying men. And second of all, the reason I don't like this is because the show is setting up a false dichotomy. We are supposed to laugh at this portrayal and see it as laughable versus regular Buffy character who is supposed to be strong and appealing to us. And I don't like that because there's nothing wrong with being a woman who wants to get married to anyone of any gender you're attracted to and have kids and have a family. Like, that's not anti-feminist. So for the show to say, hey, your options as a woman are either to be an airhead who's just there to look pretty and get a guy, or be strong and sexy and powerful, but possibly scare guys away. There has to be room for nuance here, but the show is not willing to explore that right now. Yep. Yeah, you're right. It's like Joss Whedon's idea of what girl power is, of what women empowerment looks like. Yeah, there's got to be more room where you have strong female characters who are strong in ways that are different from macho men. 
Yeah, but you're right. This this episode's not going to show it to us, but it's that's a really Ooh. good point to bring up. So we cut to the library where Giles is doing his favorite hobby, which is cross-referencing. Willow walks through the walls and nearly gives Giles a heart attack. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, then we go back to Buffy's house. Angel has come and none of them know who he is. And this is a very small scene, but I pointed it out because Xander asks, do you live here? And Angel shoots back at him says, no, and you know that. <laughs> yeah, he's tired of Xander Stipes. He doesn't understand he really what's going on, but he's just tired of it. Yeah, he's like, shut up. I don't need this from you. Not even knowing that Xander is genuinely asking that question because that's totally something Xander would say anyway. Remember when Angel saved their lives in Out of Mind, Out of Sight? Angel saves them from like getting gassed to death and Xander's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, so the angel's just like shut the fuck up kid like just don't talk to me um <laughs> he just has, doesn't have patience for this guy anymore and um cordelia comes in and explains the situation the lights go out so xander and cordelia go one way and angel takes buffy to secure the kitchen and he notices the door is open and a vampire attacks buffy from behind is this vampire a real one yeah that's a good question because angel wants to stake it which you know, would be bad if the vampire were not actually a vampire. And also, how did the vampire get in? Because you can't come in without an invitation. So maybe the answer is no, it's not a real vampire. And that's why it could come in. I don't know. It's yeah, unclear. I mean, we don't know. We don't know this Halloween spells rules. But I, I assume that it is a person in costume. But like then Angel murdered him. <laughs> yeah, next time the episode should include like a five minute scene where this guy's explaining the rules of his spell to us because that would be much yeah. better. I need this clarity. I need captions in this episode that tells me what time of day oh, it is and get, what day. You know, like the pop up videos on MTV or much music where it's like, <laughs> did you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the next step. That's the next uh, format for our podcast. So Angel's attacking this uh, mystery vampire and Buff and he vamps out because he's, you know, under exertion <laughs> and that frightens Buffy who takes off outside the ba out the back door. And in the library, Giles is figuring his shit out with Willow and he does comment on Willow's outfit. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. She's like, I'm a ghost. And he's like, the ghost of what exactly? And that's such a Valid good point. <laughs> we still don't know what her costume is. She's a slut. <laughs> she's she's just a slut so <laughs> they realize that cordelia didn't change into a sexy slinky cat because she, she got her costume from party town and not from this new costume place called ethan's and when willow says the costume store is called ethan's it goes to giles face and he is looking a mighty serious once again willow figuring shit out right like willow's the yeah. one where it all clicks together and she's like it's the costumes that's what everybody has in common they were all from yeah. this one store and brilliant yeah good job willow took you guys like a week to figure out ampata was a mummy but willow figured this shit out in a second <laughs> so buffy is running through a factory alleyway I don't know. I don't know where the what the hell. It's probably behind the bronze. <laughs> it's the fish tank. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, she's in a factory place. I don't know. And Angel, Xander, and Cordy are walking the streets, speaking very loudly about how Buffy is in danger and helpless, so they need to find her. Spike, of course, is hiding behind a tree, and he's rounded up the little demon children. 
I love this scene too because Spike is just like, "Did you hear that, my friends?" And he's got like a little like audience now, and he's just like, "Somewhere out there is the tenderest meat you've ever tasted, and all we have to do is find her first. It's kind of an interesting like play off of what Buffy and Xander and Willow were doing earlier, right? Where he's in charge of this little gang of children. It's just now they're demons, and instead of candy, they're hunting slayers. <laughs> yeah baby likes to play <laughs> oh my god is, this, is that your new catchphrase that's my new catchphrase there it is that's also trademark prophecy girls podcast um so at ethan's store giles and willow enter <laughs> and start investigating and uh how do they get there did they walk because can willow sit in a car right now they probably just know. cut through one of sunnydale's many cemeteries yeah, one of the wormholes that gets them to wherever they need to be really quickly. Willow finds the shrine in the back room. Uh, Giles just identifies it automatically as ja- Jana- Janus. <laughs> yeah, they Anus, pronounce Janus. it really weirdly in this episode. I've never ha- ha- heard Janus or Janus pronounced Janus, but <laughs> whatever. Janus, Janus, whatever, is a Roman god who famously has like two faces. So yeah. it's this embodiment of dualism, basically, right? So Giles <laughs> gives us a little bit of exposition, you know, and then Ethan shows up mm-hmm. and riffs off of it. He's like, all these divisions, light and dark, male and female. Ethan's like, chunky and creamy. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> and it's clear that these two kind of know each other. Like oh, they yeah. recognize each other. And Giles is like, Willow, leave. And she just goes. Like she doesn't hesitate, which... I guess is good that she's listening to Giles, but it's also like, wouldn't you stay for a moment and be like, do you know this guy, Giles? Like, why are you telling me to leave? What's going on? I think it's also because he said it so sternly. He was like, Willow, like, leave. Like, just really, like, he wasn't yeah, fucking around. Yeah, and if it were Buffy, yeah. she would totally question him. But Willow is a oh, good yeah. girl. Yeah, well, Willow, yeah, Willow does what she's told. Even if she's a ghost, she could literally <laughs> just stand inside the wall and li- like yeah, it's like right? <laughs> why are you telling Willow to leave? She can't be hurt right now. But of course, yeah. we'll find out in a moment because she leaves, and then Ethan says, "Hello, Ripper," and it's like, "Who's Ripper?" Like that's not Giles' name. So in the alleyway, Larry the bully, who is actually a pirate now, has somehow stumbled upon Buffy. <laughs> He must have been in at the fish tank and found her. And he starts chasing her with the intention to pillage, plunder, and rape like all pirates do. And just as he's about to sexually assault her, Xander takes him out. They, I guess they found her re- like really quickly. Xander takes him out. They start fighting. And Xander's holding his own for once. Mm-hmm. And he's doing really well because he's, he's a soldier. He's a masculine well, also, soldier. drunken pirates are not much of a challenge. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Cordelia and Angel come to Buffy and this is when Buffy says he's a vampire and Cordy says it's okay Angel's a good vampire he never hurt you it's <laughs> like hilarious again Cordelia so many good lines in this episode the writers oh, I really make good use of her here yeah she's like coddling Buffy but <laughs> it could not be funnier and so Xander kicks Larry's ass and then he says when Angel goes to see if he needs help he says he felt a weird sense of closure from that 
And I was like, oh, wonderful. Xander gets to feel masculine again. All is well in the writer's room this week. You know, like, thank Yay, God Xander, Xander gets his, he's not a sissy man. And he got to beat up this bully. And Willow finds them just then. How? I don't know how, but she found them. And she says we have to go because Spike and his group of demons are approaching. So they all run toward the factory. And Angel, if you notice, swoops Buffy up in his arms and carries her. Did you pause and rewind that a few times, Steph? That I prefer to keep those moments to myself. (laughs) I swoon. I swoon. As this is happening, Giles and Ethan are catching up. Uh, as friends do. Uh, Giles says that the Halloween stunt stinks of Ethan Rain. And I also want to point out that Ethan Rain is a fantastic name. Yeah. Like, that's a power name. That's really good. <laughs> I bet that's not his real last name. I bet he changed it. It was probably just like <laughs> Ethan Evans or something, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, something. really, really English. And he's just like, I'm Ethan Rain now. Ethan Potter. <laughs> So Ethan says it's the embodiment of careful what you wish for. And Giles expresses his disgust at this and it harms the innocent. And Ethan says, yeah, and we all know you are the champion of all things pure and good. And it's quite a little act you got going on here. And Giles says it's not an act. This is who he is. And Ethan says, a sniveling tweed clad guardian of the Slayer. I know who you are, Rupert. I know what you're capable of. But they don't, do they? They have no idea where you come from. <gasps> Secrets. This is huge. Like, <laughs> this we've is never, huge. Yeah, we've never seen Giles in this light before. He looks intimidating. And then Ethan's saying these things. And I, I mean, we can't trust Ethan. He's an unreliable witness here. But it's like, what are you saying? Like, my, my what's going through my head at this point um, is like, is Giles even human? Right? Like, we've already had one character whom we've discovered is not human when we thought he was at the very beginning. Like, that's Angel, by the way, in case anybody didn't know. Angel's a vampire. Um, like, where, when he says, like, they have no idea where you come from, is he just talking about, oh, he comes from the rougher parts of England? Or is it he comes from, you know, a hell dimension somewhere and he's not actually human? What's going on? Yeah, is Giles dangerous? Like, should we fear him a little bit? And I think we do, because Giles then starts kicking the shit out of Ethan. Yeah, like all of these episodes where he gets knocked out with a head injury, you could have (laughs) fought back, Giles. Like, you were really committed to this bit. Giles, you let a witch literally, like, push a table at you, and you (laughs) passed out from it. So if we had known that you could just kick men's asses like this, we would have had a whole other view of you. So... Yeah, Giles is like, if you tell me how to break the spell, I'll let you live. <gasps> like, whoa, this guy, we don't know Giles at all. We don't know no. any, we don't know Everything shit about Everything we thought we knew has Giles. gone out the window in this scene. <laughs> so good. I love this show so much. Yeah, yeah, everyone's got a story, right? So, Angel and the group, <laughs> this is Angel's group now, Angel and the group are running into the factory and they try to block the door from Spike and the demons, but they break through anyway, just as Giles continues beating the shit out of Ethan. And Xander and Angel are being held back as Spike advances on Buffy and he's taunting her and he hits her in the face and she's crying and he grabs her hair and he looks like he's about to bite her. And honestly, Spike, 
I think this would have worked out a lot better for you if you just bit her instead of slowly moving your head I know, but this is the part her. I was talking about earlier where I'm just like, oh my god, this is a scary moment because Buffy has never been more vulnerable than she is in this moment. And mm. Spike, is he's done his best to take advantage of it. He really hasn't screwed up. I mean, I get what you're saying. He could be moving a little bit faster here, but... <laughs> Um, you know, he's played, he's played this, um, advantage as best he could. What's going to happen here? Like, I know, I know Buffy doesn't bite it in this episode. Like, I get it. But for a moment, it feels very scary. And I appreciate how they're able to pull that off. I like also that the last time that we were in this position with Spike and Buffy, he was about to kill her with a piece of wood before Mm -hmm. Joyce stepped in. Mm -hmm. So in this case, this is definitely more serious, where he's about to literally bite her. So last time, as you said, Buffy was saved by her mom. This time, Buffy is saved from Spike by her dad. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, um, Ethan has had enough, and he tells Giles to break the statue. He does it. Then when he turns around, Ethan is gone because he knows how to make a quick exit. And back at the factory, Xander notices that his gun's back to a toy. Spike looks around because he hears like whimpering. And it's because all the little demons have turned back into children. (laughs) And then he holds up a wig that he's like he was holding onto Buffy's hair. Now it's a wig. And that's when Buffy stands up smiling and says, hi, honey, I'm home. I love it. And punches him in the face (laughs) yeah and she like she gives it to him like i know spike's disoriented and kind of thrown off but did you learn nothing from watching that fight video dude because like buffy just wails on you yeah like you said i think he's just like taken back he's like oh i almost had her if it weren't for that meddling watcher yes sorry thank you for saying that because i literally had that in my notes i'm like (laughs) when he when he he leaves i like i'm getting serious I'll get you next time, Buffy vibes from him. (laughs) Uh, So Spike takes off and Buffy and Xander are talking about how they remember what happened. And it was really creepy because they were there, but they couldn't get out. And I was like, oh, really? Because Xander, are you saying that you can admit that you remember when you were a cool, brave, strong army guy, but you're not going to admit that you remember being a hyena? Ooh, good point. You, you. So you, you, you prefer to share the memory of you kicking the shit out of Larry because he bullied you before, but you will not admit that you remember almost raping Buffy and apologizing for it. Yeah. Xander's trash. <laughs> Xander Harris is trash. And Cordy says she knows the feeling of, <laughs> of being inside something and not being able to get out because her outfit is skin tight. <laughs> and that's such a good line. And Angel approaches Buffy and leads her away. And Cordy is surprised that Angel ignored her. And Xander says, you're never going to get between those two. Believe me, I know. Uh. Okay, all right. Uh, That's when they realize Willow's not there because Willow is waking up on the porch. Uh, She's not dead anymore. She's still got her ghost sheet on and she's about to like adjust it and put it back on. But then she decides not to because she's already wandered all of Sunnydale in her slut costume. So is this what it means to be an empowered woman in this episode? Is it like now that she doesn't need to cover up? She's comfortable with the male gaze on her body. She's comfortable being in her skin like what is what are we saying here i mean 
I'm inclined to give this one to the writers. I think this is a nice scene, at least the way that Alison Hannigan plays it, because I think what it's showing is that Willow doesn't have to cover herself up to feel comfortable in her body and feel capable, right? Because we were talking earlier how this is self-esteem. So I don't think it's so much about Willow is comfortable with showing off her body. I think it's that, like, she may go home and change right away, right? Like, maybe she doesn't want to wear this clothing, but she's not going to be embarrassed or hide herself behind ghost costume anymore. Yeah. I do also want to give it to the writers. I think that it's nice to see this confidence grow mm-hmm. in Willow. However, I, unlike what Buffy would think, I don't think it's attributed to her being comfortable in her own skin and dressing sexy and showing off her body. I think she's more comfortable now because she took charge this night. Yes, exactly. And she... She solved it. Yeah. yeah like she was she was the hero here. We saw that progression in the last couple of episodes, I think, right? Like last episode, mm-hmm. Willow was very responsible and she also lectured Giles and Angel, which as people who've listened to the past episode know, I love that part. Like mm-hmm. we're we are seeing growth from Willow. It's maybe it maybe has been a little more gradual than you and I have wanted, but <laughs> I think this was a long time coming and I completely agree with you. This is about Willow's personality and so her throwing away the ghost costume is her understanding that how she expresses herself is independent of what she's wearing yes yeah yeah that's exactly it and mm, in this wonderful scene as willow is confidently walking down the street oz is in his van driving by and he spots her walking And he just looks entranced again, just like he did in Inca Mommy Girl. And he just says, who is that girl? You're never going to find out, Oz. So today's episode that we published was Inca Mommy Girl, where we first Mm -hmm. meet Oz. And I did a TikTok that went along with uh, Oz's introduction. And there are some amazing Oz fans out there. Like the reaction to Oz was overwhelming. I wasn't expecting it. I was just kind of like, oh, like maybe... I'm the only one. I am not the only one. People love Oz. They love Seth Green who plays him. It's pretty cool. Yes. Well, never fear, listeners, because unlike Xander, we also stan Oz. And <laughs> I, I mean, you know, there's moments here or there where we got to criticize him. That's true for all the characters on the show. But yeah, Oz is amazing. No one is safe on Prophecy Girls podcast. <laughs> so at Buffy's motherless house... <laughs> Buffy has changed into her sweatpants and she says she's just old 20th century me and she sits with Angel on her bed and I'm hoping that they took down the barricade from earlier before they got comfy. <laughs> that would have been better. Best <laughs> or maybe they did it so that it takes Joyce longer to get into the house so they have some warning. <laughs> Poor high Joyce. <laughs> That's probably what that would happen. I agree. And, uh, Angel's asking why she thinks he'd like to see her dressed that way. And Buffy says she wanted to be a real girl for once, the kind of fancy girl that he likes. Have you learned nothing, Buffy? Yeah. And it's also interesting to me that, like, Buffy's fantasy of a normal girl is an 18th century woman. (laughs) When I'm like, why aren't you fantasizing about being Willow? Willow, who arguably is a, quote, normal girl, but she's also got a six pack and she's super the smartest (laughs) woman in California. And like, like, then fantasize about your friend because like she's got it going on, really. <laughs> but 
Angel then says he hated those girls. They were dull and simpering morons. And he finds Buffy exciting and interesting. You're not like those girls, Buffy. <laughs> and now Angel, like, I, Angel, saying that you hate all the women from your time era is, is not the right thing to say, right? You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't say those things. Perhaps we should hate the patriarchal society that made the women in your time era that way. Yeah, I, I think Angel... This is the difference between Angel and Sandra, right? Is Angel means well, and he isn't quite as, like, toxic as Xander, right? But obviously he still has, like, internalized issues when it comes to patriarchy and masculinity. He, he's kind of, like, at the beginning of his feminist journey, and I think he should do some reading. I think he should read some, like, bell hooks, you know, and just kind of, like, do some learning here, Angel, and I think yeah. we'd all be better for it. But you know what? What do they do right after this? They kiss. And this is the first Buffy Angel kiss we've seen since Angel episode cool. seven. I, I'm going to go take a break and I'll be back <laughs> in like five minutes after yep. you've recovered. Who, who rewound it and watched it again? Not not me. Um, <laughs> but the, you know what? They're on her bed. They probably took it to first base that night. So mm, get it. The next morning at Ethan's store. It's bare. It's empty. The shelves are, are empty and racks are left behind. Giles is walking around. And then he finds a note that says, be seeing you. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Ethan Rain's going to come back for round two. Yes, he is. And I also want to say right here that Chloe on Instagram <laughs> wrote and said, so how gay are Giles and Ethan? <laughs> oh, I ship it. And I was like, you're right. They do have very sexual vibes I mean, in that I, like I little could, discussion they had. Yeah, I could totally see Giles as bi, right? Like he's clearly yeah. into Miss Calendar. And because we didn't bring this up, but in the scene where Buffy unwisely says that Miss Calendar called him a babe after Buffy and Willow leave, right? He's just kind of flustered. But then he pauses. He's like, babe, hmm? I can live with that, right? Like, so clearly he's into her. But absolutely, there's some sexual tension in the scene between Ethan and Giles. And we don't know anything about Giles at this point. Clearly, he has this incredible past that hopefully we'll learn more about. Maybe he's had some other relationships. Who can say? I don't know. But yeah, I'm also picking up on those sexual vibes between Giles and Ethan. More so Ethan than Giles. But that's because Giles was like a zaddy in this episode. He was like, <laughs> he had a nice little suit on and he was like dark and beat him up it was awesome so much in this episode for you Steph like this is the thing it's like this episode is still one of my favorites it's so yeah, good there's so much in there that we talked about but like it it is different and obviously the we dissected it really hard but the older I get it just doesn't hit the same way because I know mm -hmm. all the tricks so so who's your hero my hero is going to be Giles because you know he goes into the situation he takes charge of the situation and we see a side of him we have yet to see in this show, and I really like that. And ultimately, he's the one who breaks the spell, right? And restores mm -hmm. everything back to normal. So go, Jack. Yeah, very true. Uh, my hero will be Willow. Also a good choice. Because she took charge. She gained confidence. Yeah, she was just a boss babe in this episode, and I loved it. And I can't wait to see where else she goes from here. I agree. So... Do we have hot stakes? We do have hot stakes. So first off, I just want to say that Sunfire Woman is her handle on TikTok. She pointed out that, okay, do you remember back a couple episodes ago when we first saw the cage in the library? Mm 
-hmm. And we were like, what the hell is this cage doing here? She pointed out that the cage in the library is where the audiovisual equipment is stored at most schools or at at some schools. So there it is, just in case anyone wants to know. I still choose to believe it's for King stuff. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, that's way more interesting for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So our first hot steak is from Silver. And she wrote, Hi, I was just listening to your episode on Witch from the first season where you asked the question about when Amy got switched into Catherine's body. I just started rewatching the series to go along with listening to this podcast, which is my first podcast, by the way. Yay, that's so awesome. Uh, And in the episode, Amy in Catherine's body says that she woke up a few months ago like that. So Catherine has been in Amy's body for a few months at that point, which is probably why she also lost all the weight and started training so hard. So obviously we missed that part in the Mm -hmm. episode where she says the three months, but like silver so awesome like thank you for pointing that out thanks for giving us an assist with this yeah we're always gonna miss things like in this episode you know with the confusion over the times and stuff like no matter how closely you watch an episode there's always going to be stuff that you miss and have questions about so we love it when listeners jump in and give us you know, corrections, or in this case, just kind of elaborate on something that we missed. Yeah, and it does make sense because Amy was saying that she, her mother hired her a coach and that's why she was losing all the weight and stuff, but it would make so much more sense that Catherine would take over the body and just get mm-hmm. shit done. So thanks, cool. Silver. Um, also from Instagram, we have Ray and they have a comment about this week's episode. So they say, I really like the insight into Angel's character in this episode. We see the first genuine interaction with Cordelia, and it's probably the first time we've ever seen him laugh on the show, which is a point that you made, Steph. Mm. So far, he's been presented as very serious, and I think this is the first time we see Angel genuinely enjoying a casual conversation with someone, particularly a female character, making him, in my opinion, one of the male characters that shows the least toxic masculinity on the show. I don't think he was talking to Cordelia to make Buffy jealous or to flirt with her. He just doesn't see Cordelia as a sex object, unlike some people. Mm, I wonder who they're talking about there. And was actually enjoying her company. I wonder if we will see more of this develop later on. Uh, that's a great question. I have, I have no idea how much you know about Buffy or the follow-up series Angel, and I can't give anything away, Ray. Um, If you don't know much, all I can say is I think you will be pleased if you keep watching. Uh, And if you have watched the series and and you know what's coming, then again, I think we're all going to be pleased with what happens. And who doesn't love a good Angel-Cordy pair-up? Like, have more casual conversation, guys. Get to know each other. Why not? Absolutely. So you said earlier, Steph, about how like the the episode is a good episode, but it hits a little less hard each time because we're getting older and stuff. So I just want to close by saying like this is why I enjoy doing this podcast with you so much because rewatching the show with the intention of critiquing it with you allows me to experience these episodes in a completely new way that I've never experienced them before. And I'm really enjoying that. Oh, me too. Thank you. And I feel exactly the same way. This is such a joy meeting up with you every week to do this. And I will also say that like the last couple weeks, you and I have received so much love from people. 
people are writing in to give us their hot steaks, but people are also writing in just to say hi and to say mm. that they're enjoying it and that, you know, keep up the good work. And I just, it, it just makes our day every time we get them. It really does because it's, it's just nice to know that people are listening, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's one thing to know that people are following us on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter and stuff, but to have you engage and just say, hey, I just listened to this episode. Hey, I enjoyed this. Like, you know, it, it makes our day, like Steph said, and this is why we're doing this, right? So thank you so much, listeners. You make this worth doing. <laughs> Baby likes to play. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. We invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.